Kohelet Perik Aleph. The first Perik, the structure of the Perik is as follows. The first 12, the first 11 Pesukim of the Perik are sort of a prologue to the Sefer. Uh, they're written in third person as an observer is discussing uh, some of the things that we're going to talk about in a second. From Pasuk Yudbet, the 12th Pasuk of the first Perik, through the end of the second Perik, Kohelet will give a sort of autobiographical sketch of himself. Before that, a seemingly a third person discusses uh, a, the prologue to the Sefer. The Rashbam actually hints that this prologue to the Sefer was written by a mesader of the text, meaning a sort of editor of the text, and he says the same thing about the last few Pesukim of Kohelet, although we will discuss that when we get there. But the clear mark, the distinction of the first 11 Pesukim of the book and the last few Pesukim of the book are that they are written in third person. Pasuk Aleph. Divrei Kohelet ben David, Melech, Melech Birushalayim. The words of Kohelet, the son of David, king in Yerushalayim. A quick comment on the word Kohelet itself. The Shoresh of Kohelet is Kof He Lamed, Kahal, to congregate or to assemble, and the reason Shilomo may be calling himself Kohelet is because what he's doing in the Sefer is assembling the various different ruminations that he has had on uh, the question of the meaning of life and the purpose of life, and he is going to discuss all the different uh, views uh, that he's seen, and as we will see, we'll reject many of them. Pasuk Bet Havel habalim amar koheret, havel habalim hakol havel. The exact translation of the word havel is breath, as in the breath that comes out of a person's mouth, uh, the type of breath that we see, we can only see when it comes out of a person's mouth in the winter. This has been translated in many different ways to English by different uh, writers over the centuries. The King James Bible has it as vanity of vanities. Uh, Other writers have translated it as absurdity or futility. But what's important to realize here is that Kohelet is using a concrete metaphor to indicate a more general concept. And what he's doing is sort of exploiting the emotional impact that that concrete image has, and the concrete image may suggest several ideas, not just one. In this case, Hevel, the the breath or the vapor that comes out of a person's mouth, is something totally insubstantial, it's transient, it's very temporary, it's futile, or it suggests futility. And so these are all the sort of associations that the listener is meant to think about when he hears the word Havel. It's not just one of them. And so the best translation of the Pasuk would be, mere breath, said Kohelet, mere breath, all is mere breath. And what the narrator means to say over here is that Kohelet's general message is that everything, everything is insubstantial, temporary, and futile. And now she over here actually hints to this a little bit, and he says that there are actually seven Havalim over here. Havel is one, Havalim is another two, so that's three. Another Havel Havalim is six, and the last Havel of the Pasuk is seven. 
and he says it hints to the seven days of creation, as if to say, Kohelet said that all of creation, the entirety of creation, everything that was created over seven days is Havel, totally futile, ephemeral, and not substantial. Another interesting way to think about this is that the book starts off in a very similar way to another book that Shilomo wrote, which is Shir Hashirim. That book starts off as Shir Hashirim, and this book starts off as Havel Havalim. One way to understand Shir Hashirim is the song of songs, the the apex of songs among songs. And in, if we were to translate that over to Kohelet, we would say Havel Havalim, the apex of all Hevel is, of course, the end of the Pasuk, Hakol, everything. So there are all kinds of small Havalim, day in, day out. But the apex of all the Havalim is, in fact, everything. Another way to understand Shir Hashirim is a Shir composed of many Shirim. Same thing over here for Havel Havalim. We could say that there is one Hevel that is composed of many Havalim. There are small Havalim throughout a person's life. All the physical pleasures and all the wisdom and all the effort and toil that a person puts in, all these are the small Havalim of every day. And when you combine them all together, you get one gigantic Havel, and that is Hakol Havel, everything. They com- these little Havalim combine into one gigantic Havel. Before I move on to the next Pasuk, I think it's important to mention the following, which is in line with what we said in the introduction, that this is not a piece of Western literature where the author will present evidence for his case that everything is indeed Hevel. Shilomo begins the book with the conclusion. You already know the conclusion once you read the second pasuk of the Sefer. Everything is Hevel. What the exploration of the rest of the book will be is to try to figure out if we can extricate ourselves from this intuitive feeling that indeed everything around us, everything around Kohelet is futile. So he starts off with his conclusion. His intuitive feeling is that everything is Hevel, everything is just mere breath and futility. And throughout the rest of the book, he will consider various different points that may take him out of that intuitive feeling. And we'll see if he can indeed get out of that feeling by the end of the book. But it's important to realize that we're not starting off here with a blank slate. We're not asking the question, is everything Hevel or is everything not Hevel? The conclusion is already set in as an intuitive feeling of Kohelet that everything is indeed Hevel. Pasuk Gimel. What gain is there for man in all his toil that he toils under the sun? Notice that Kohelet uses the word amal over here and not avodah or anything else that may reference, uh, may refer to effort or hard work. And uh, amal has a very distinct connotation of very hard work and futile work can think about it uh, in the context of Vayar et Amalenu, when it comes to the work that we did in Mitzrayim, for example, which was backbreaking work and also useless work. It didn't have any result, certainly no result that we could see in the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. 
Pasuk Dalid Dor Holech Vedorba Vehaaris Leolam Omadit. A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth endures forever. And what you see over here is a theme that will repeat itself over the course of the prologue. What Kohelet is trying to say is that there's always activity, there's constant activity. Man toils, a generation goes and a generation comes. But in fact, even in the face of all this activity, everything kind of really remains the same. Pasuk, He vezara hashemesh uba hashemesh, ve'el mekomo sho'ef zoreach husham. The sun rises and the sun sets, and to its place it glides, there it rises. Again, the sun rises and the sun sets, but it just goes back to where it was before, and the next day it will keep doing the same thing. Pasuk, Vav, holech el darom, it goes south and swings round to the north. Round and round goes the wind, and on its rounds the wind returns. While the sun in Pasuk He goes from east to west, Kohelet completes his thoughts on the cyclicality of nature by posing the wind in Pasuk Vav as going from north to south, and so you have the completely cyclical nature from east to west and from north to south. And just like the sun moves from east to west but ends up right back where it started, the wind moves from north to south and keeps on moving and moving, sobev sobev, keeps on going round and round, but at the end of the day, it returns to where it came from. Pasuk Zayn all the rivers go to the sea, and the sea is not full. To the place that the rivers go, there they return to go. Another feature of nature over here, the rivers, they keep moving and moving, and yet there's no result to their movement because the place that they go to, the sea, doesn't really ever get full. It doesn't seem to change. And in fact, the rivers end up going right back to where they were in the cycle of water. That goes into the sea, ends up raining again, goes into the river, and goes right back into the ocean. Pasuk Het Kohelet summarizes a little bit of what he said before, and he says, all things are weary, all things are moving and getting tired. There's a person cannot speak about all the different things uh, that are tired, that are moving, that become weary. He speaks about the sun and the wind and the rivers. There are many more features of nature that can be pointed to and, and described as cyclical and moving and in fact not ending up in any different position. There's a person cannot list all of them. The eye cannot be satiated with all the different things that it can see. Nor the ear can be filled with hearing. There are so many things that can be spoken about and seen and, and heard. All these things that are constantly at motion and yet maintain a certain sense of stability and consistency. Pasuk Tet, but the common theme, theme among all of these different features of nature, Ve'en kol hadash 
that which was already is the same that will be. And that which was already done is the same as which will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Pasuk Yod, Yesh davar sheyomar re'eze hadashu. There is a thing which some people or one person will say, See, look, this is new. It, is al- it already has been in the eons that were before us. What Kohelet may be saying over here is that any intellectual revolution, any new philosophy, any new discovery, it may seem new, but in fact... It's most probably been discovered before. It's most probably been discussed before. There's really nothing new. Pasuk Yod Aleph, the prologue of Koheret ends on what seems to be the most depressing note so far. En zichron l'rishonim. There is no remembrance of the first things. Ve'gam la'acharonim she'yihiyu lo zikaron. And the more recent things that have been they will they will not have a remembrance either. And even those things in the future that will come, they too will not have any remembrance. There will be no memory of them. What Kohelet is saying over here is that if you think about the span of history, if you think about the entire historical record, most people simply are not remembered in the future. Even if in their time and place they were wealthy, or moderately famous, or had a very important uh, positions in their communities or in their countries, at the end of the day, most likely they will not be remembered, and, and they're not remembered historically. And again, it's critical to understand that this refers to even people who are moderately important in their time and place. They will simply have no remembrance. The more famous people who have a sort of eternal remembrance, Kohelet will deal with them at a later point in the book. But what he's saying here is that for the vast majority of humanity, there will not be a shred of memory of their existence. The basic implication that Kohelet wants you to make over here is that if no one is remembered and no one will ever be remembered, or at least the vast majority of humanity will not be remembered, then in fact, ex post, it seems like most of humanity just has no significance. There's no purpose to their living. All of their amal, as he discussed in Pasuk Gimel, is for nothing, for naught. And in fact, everything, as he said in Pasuk Bet, is havel. These Pesukim, Pasuk Yudalef, ends the prologue of Kohelet. And I just want to say a few words about the prologue of Kohelet, about these last 11 Pesukim. The very clear theme in these 11 Pesukim is repetition, cyclicality, consistency. Generations always come and go, the earth stays the same. The sun does the same thing every day. It rises and sets and goes back to where it was. The wind does the same thing all the time. The streams and rivers do the same thing and they keep repeating doing the things that they normally do. And in fact, if you actually think about the literary technique that is used in these 11 Pesukim, there is actually a lot of actual repetition of the words. If you look at Pasuk Dalit, for example, Dor Holech Vedorba, Pasuk He, Zarach Hashemesh Uba Hashemesh, Pasuk Vav, Holech El Darom Besobeb El Tzafon, Sobeb Sobeb, 
פסוק זין. כל הנחלים הולכים אל הים, והים איננו מלא. Repetition of the word ים. אל מקום שהנחלים הולכים, again, the repetition of the word נחלים. There is a constant actual repetition of the words that is meant to evoke the repetition of the features of nature, the cyclicality of the features of nature. In contrast, though, to this repetitive cyclicality, to this repetitive consistency, it's interesting to note that the word most often used in these 11 pesukim is the word uh, with the root he lamed chaf, halach, holech. You see this in pasuk dalet, dor holech ve dor ba, pasuk he, ve zarach hashemesh, uba hashemesh. Pasuk vav, holech el darom. סובב סובב הולך הרוח, כל הנחלים הולכים אל הים. אל מקום שהנחלים הולכים שם, הם שבים ללכת. So even though there is this repetitive consistency, the main word used over here is in fact not something consistent, it is movement, הולך, going towards something. And that is in fact the theme of these פסוקים, that even though you have constant הליכה, constant motion, At the end of the day, everything stays the same. And so all the motion results, in fact, in precisely nothing, because everything stays the same. What the prologue is uh, also doing over here is comparing man and nature. Just like nature has all this motion, the sun rises and sets, and the rivers constantly flow, and the wind is constantly moving and turning around, and yet the result of all this movement is... precisely nothing that uh, if you look at Pasuk Zayn, for example, the, the streams keep going and going, and yet the oceans stay at exactly the same level they, they've always been. The comparison to that is in Pasuk Dalet, man is the same. Dor holech v'dor ba v'ha'aretz re'olam o'madet. Man, the generations of man come and go, and yet at the end of the day, the generations of man have no significance because they may do all these things, but nothing really happens. Man is just another part of nature. And that's a very key thing that Kohelet is expressing over here. In contrast to the sort of attitude that we see in the rest of Tanakh, which is that man is above nature and he is in fact supposed to conquer nature, right? That's the, one of the key messages of Bereshit is that man is created separately and in fact is supposed to rule over nature. Here at the beginning of Kohelet, he does not rule over nature. He's just another insignificant part of nature. What's really bothering Kohelet over here is that he looks out into the world, he looks out into nature, he sees all this motion, all this, all this ruckus, and in fact, nothing changes. And for him, it raises the question, great, if there's all this motion and nothing changes, then what was the world created for? And of course, the most important question is not really what was the world created for with regards to nature. The most important question is what was the world created for with regards to man? And that is, in fact, the question that Kohelet will uh, basically be expositing on over the course of the rest of the book.